When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey there, listener. Welcome to the Deep Share Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Rouse. And for the last couple of decades, I've slowly been opening my eyes to a very different world than the one I grew up hearing about. And the more conversations I have with interesting people, the more mystifying this world becomes. So without further ado, let's get deep. We've got science to celebrate! Demons list now! Octopus 50, come on! There's rebellion in the wind. It will be crushed. Everything I've said is true, it's real. Dinosaur blossoms? Now let's put those here to test our faith. A damn lie! I, I saw them with my own eye! Did I accuse just drop sharply while I was away? We did it illusions, man! None of it is true! I'm not insane! This is mass madness, you maniac! In God's name, you people are the real thing. We are the illusion. Welcome back to the Deep Share. Tonight, I have some very special guests with me. I have Lux and New York Patriot from the Occult Rejects. Gentlemen, how the hell are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. Good. Thank you. So... How are you? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. <laughs> and I, I've been waiting to talk to you guys for a while. Nick, you and I have spoken a bunch. Lux, it's so good to meet you finally. I like the books that you got there behind you. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Can you read this one right here? The King Kill 33. <laughs> <laughs> nice. It's like I'm just showcasing the weirdest one of all. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, so What do you guys think of that? that line of thinking because i mean i try not to hang too heavily on the stuff that ends with our horrible demise and our entrapment and that line of thinking revelation of method it sounds so accurate but it also it, it seems so negative and almost you know trying to scare us more or something like that but it's it's weird what do you guys think of that topic mm. You want to go, Lux? Yeah, I mean, for me, it's I see a lot of the black pill stuff and, you know, just generally people kind of saying, oh, well, this is if things are inevitable. There's no way that we're going to get out of this situation. I tend to disagree. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not super optimistic, but I'm definitely a bit more optimistic than that. So, <laughs> Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, I, I try to try to look for the positive and maybe if revelation of method has anything to do with what's really going on it's the fact that we know about it maybe that that will turn the tide or something exactly 
So for the audience that doesn't know you guys yet, let's uh, get a little background on how you guys started the Occult Rejects. Actually, well, I, I had started a show. Uh, I think I only had like a few episodes out at the time. And uh, oh no, you know what? <laughs> I was on Lift the Veil. That's what it was. I don't even think I had started my own show. Now, I think I had just started maybe putting out one or two episodes by the time that was out or by the time Lux had heard it. But he had heard me on there and hit me up. And I had him on. uh, Well, we spoke for a while and then I had him on as a guest on my show because, uh, you know, obviously he had some great stuff to show. Like, you know, he was showing connections basically between like our secret societies um and just speaking to the dude i could tell that he was like pretty much a uh, uh, coming from the heart of what he was trying to do and i had had thoughts in my mind at one point that uh you know this might be easier if i did it with somebody else i was just like what the fuck's the odds of finding somebody like you know like that you know what i'm saying who wants to do the same thing has the same kind of background mm. and uh here's some dude hit me up telling me he had the same experience and i just got a vibe from him that i thought he was being genuine and i was just like yo let's just fucking do this you know <laughs> it's you know from there. yeah it was crazy for me too because um you know i've said before that for people who have uh certain problems, right? Like if, you know, you, after you get out of an addiction or something like that, you can go to uh, NA or AA or, or things like that. And you have a kind of a big support group um, or at least people that are willing to kind of reach out and give you a hand. But with leaving a secret society, there's, there's no, there's no resources for that at all. It's just you, well, you left a secret society and you don't have anybody else to really speak about your experience with you. And so hearing his experience immediately was like, this guy gets it. And, uh, you know, we can do good things together, but also it's just, it's such a, it's such a specific type of experience that we both had. It's hard to find someone else that, that gets that. And then kind of has the same drive for why we might want to start a podcast. Yeah. I can imagine that like, you could relate to the same feelings and experiences that perhaps brought you guys to secret societies as well as brought you out of them. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I would even say like, I know it may sound kind of like silly, like, Oh, like, you know, uh, was it really all that bad? Cause it's, it's not like, you know, we were living on a compound or something, but uh, <laughs> I, I would say, my opinion, if it's something, if, if it's something that like, you took serious and was a part of your life and all of a sudden you needed to remove yourself out of it. And you were going to it for a while. There's normally something that's uh, pretty serious to make you want to make that decision. So even though it may only sound like, Oh, it was the OTO or the golden dawn. I mean, the reasons I think me and him both left was because something just didn't feel right. And something was fucked up. Right. Right. You know, and that can actually like, you know, I'll say like even certain experiences in magic, uh, that can fuck you up. And like I've said, in my opinion, the OTO isn't a place to fucking go to to talk about it. You know what I'm saying? So I'm assuming Lux might have even felt like the same way. Like it just may not have really have been the best place to pour your heart out, you know? Yeah. That's unfortunate yeah. too, because it seems like these kinds of institutions were at least like uh, magic as I've come to understand it just from learning it from history, from a historical point of view, it, it seems like so sacred and so important. And you'd think that the support system would be central in order to evolve 
individuals properly through the initiatory process. I guess that's not happening the way I, I thought it would. I think uh, maybe at some point there was maybe some orders that might have had that in mind. Hmm. But I think since then, the, most of them have been hijacked and other ones have been started, I think, just to hide the truth more and to make more slaves, unfortunately. Yeah, it's almost like there's a uh, there was a concerted effort to make the occult even more occult and uh, in within secret societies hide real information from even the uh, the initiates. Like compartmentalization almost. Yes, yes. perhaps. Oh, doesn't that sound familiar? Well, I would even say even in the OTO, you could easily probably move up degrees that you have to be asked to move up to like uh, after the fourth degree, you can't ask anymore. You have to be like kind of asked, would you like to come up? Uh, even then I would say you still have plenty of degrees probably to move up and not know anything because they they're using you now that this really has nothing to do with you actually probably knowing anything more or any real magic. It's just, you're a pawn in whatever they're doing mm. their end game. So now, how long were both of you in these organizations? I mean, long enough. If the thing is, I try not to. Eh. Oh, that's fair. That's yeah. Fair. yeah. <laughs> I, I try and keep it relatively narrowed down to, I'll, I'll just say that between 2000 and, 2008 and 2017. Cool. That area. Long enough to <laughs> change your, your opinions on now. When you first started out in these organizations, you, did you feel like um, you were pursuing something? Uh, did it feel like it was completing that feeling inside that you needed answers for? Well, I mean, for me, at least initially, you know, you kind of get caught up with the the whole excitement, right? I mean, you're buying robes, you're, you're going to <laughs> get all of this stuff scheduled for initiation and they're, you know, well, you got to accept it. It's sort of like, you know, imagine if you uh, tried to put in an application for a, a school that you never thought that you would get into. Mm. I mean, to me, getting into the Golden Dawn was like getting an acceptance letter from MIT. Like, <laughs> like it was it was a big deal for me. And whether that's I was totally disillusioned at the time, whatever. But I mean, I was very excited and, you know, I devoted all the time to it that I possibly could because there is a year of, of vetting process that takes place from when you actually put in your first application until initiation so yeah in those early days i was pretty optimistic how about uh -huh. you patriot to me uh oh, this is kind of hard to explain well i've said it on other shows the oto never really was my first choice mm. um i do remember you saying this happens yeah. to be the only thing that was close to me and i had assumed it was going to be structured which it it is in the sense of they have classes and they do have officers and they do have you know volunteers and people that do handle stuff but you don't get like a mentor or nothing which i had thought maybe you did uh so like one it was it wasn't what i thought it was in that aspect and two it really wasn't my first choice so i mean i could say uh i mean i i think just from the beginning I kind of felt like something was off. I didn't belong anyway. And I wasn't getting the full story to begin with there. 
Hmm. I guess I could say I felt that from the beginning, but uh, it just progressed and got worse as it went on. But um, it, I did learn a lot. It was, uh, you know, for, uh, I pretty much kept going for as long as I did because there was a few people that um, were a little bit different. And I do believe they were, you know, trying to do the right thing. And they were actually really doing magic, you know, trying to change themselves. Um, so, you know, I had a couple of friends that I would see, you know, and sometimes I would only go once a month too, you know? So like I showed up 12 times in a year. That's actually not, you know, it's not that much if you really think about it, <laughs> you know? Uh, so I, I was never sold on it to begin with, you know, I was never a huge Crowley fan. I knew the dude was sick and he was fucked up. I also know he was in a cold genius. In my opinion, I, I think uh, in some ways he, you know, maybe down the road, his pantheons or gods might be taken a little bit more serious as showing the same thing as a, you know, uh, the, the, you know, the Romans or the, the Nordics, or, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm. I think he was one of the last uh, people that were able to create characters and put them into stories to actually really tell deep occult secrets. Mm. It was still coded, but I think like he was one of the last to really pull it off pretty good, which is why I think he got a lot of notoriety. I think the people who understood saw what he was doing. But besides that, I thought he was a fucking degenerate. Right. You know, so like I wasn't putting him up on a pedestal. I never took any of their like stuff really that serious. I did a lot of things as just going with the motions because I wanted to go as far as I did. Mm. It's interesting, too, with Crowley, because, you know, we see inversion everywhere in our society, no matter where you look, especially with your eyes open in these directions. And, you know, growing up, Crowley was the evil one so you know you weren't supposed to to go towards it and that all that was the weird part for me maybe like 10 years ago because I started to think well maybe that was a lie too and maybe this guy's not all that bad and so reading some of his magical literature it was like okay wow this dude really gets it and he's talking about stuff that I didn't even think about at all and and it was only later that I found out, like, he was legit, like, horrible, like a horrible person, you know, against oh, Crowley, you know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah so if you actually like, read some of his magic books, I think where he does, like, neither his, like, scrying or his Enochian shit. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that I'm, like, saying I'm, I'm not patting this guy on the back or whatever, but, I mean, you, you can tell from reading some of his stuff of, what well, like, his experiences in magic, this motherfucker was connecting or going somewhere. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, um, he like, he was legit. I think I think, and and that's what ruined them. Is his ego took took that. I was just gonna say that. Yeah, <laughs> I would even say too that you know I, I think sometimes as a cultist, me especially, I've given Crowley way too much, um, way too much, uh, you know, better than he actually deserves. Because uh, at some point, I, I think that he actually would acknowledge even himself that the work that he was creating wasn't from himself. Right. That it was sort of he was a medium between these two. So he just, you know, he was a very good medium between that realm uh, and ours. And um, oh, that's a really good way to put it, Lux. That's probably like, 
nailed it with that. It's was, like he, he was hypersensitive to be able to contact certain entities or, or realms and just translate it back to us. Um, but yeah, I think it's kind of important to remember that he didn't, you know, think a lot of this stuff up on his own. It was that absolutely by uh, influence. Right. He stood on the shoulders of many, many giants as well. I mean, he was and he was from the, the rich class, so he was able to have access to, you know, very off limit places and, and translators dealing with really rare texts and everything. So the dude was connected on a level that most people didn't even really have the opportunity to be. It's pretty, uh, pretty creepy though when you look into some of the other shit that he was into of course but like uh i would say that yeah you have to kind of separate the information in some ways from the person although of course he could have been twisting a lot of things too who knows his influence on politics and and you know pop culture in general was it's kind of creepy when you think about it like what would we be saying if we were back then and it's like we saw that guy parading around on national television right <laughs> well, i've even said i think because of him uh you see uh, a lot of the stuff in politics and media now because it got weaponized mm. I think him him going around uh you know all to these different places i think he probably spread certain things or ideas or philosophies and I think probably, you know, weaponized it as well for governments. Did he and Blavatsky, like, were they on just completely different sides of the fence or were they colleagues? I can't remember what their association was. This is what makes me think, well, I've never really got into Blavatsky stuff too much. Does I mean, she's same thing as Crowley, same thing as many, many, many other teachers, (laughs) you know, that that wonderful synchronistic line of thinking that like just pings off of brains like ours, you know, like same kind of material for sure. Sorry. Go ahead. He wasn't a huge fan of women in general. I mean, you could see he like thought they were fucking trash sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, They were never in the same thing as far as I know, but I have read in his literature, he actually held her in very high regards. Mm -hmm. He, he deemed her to be, I think like a seventh or eighth degree in the Astrum Argentum, even though she wasn't a member, he said that like he going by his degrees, he was saying he thinks she's at least to this spot. And it was something impressive. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like he actually gave her credit. Like he thought that she was the real deal. What's with the degrees? I mean, we can be talking about the OTO. I'm assuming the Golden Dawn uses this term as well. Uh eh. Freemasonry uses it. I mean, is that a dead giveaway right off the bat that these these institutions in general perhaps come from some originating point? This uh, like an original mystery school that eventually fractured or something? What do you guys think of that? I mean, I would definitely say that. To me, it seems that way that they mm-hmm. were all sort of one mystery school, or let's say much fewer than there are now, maybe you know, a dozen or so, but then it, it sort of split off into all these splinters that, you know, slightly changed things and got infiltrated. And of course, the degrees are a series of initiations, right? So you have to go through, you have to learn this degree before you can receive the next set of information or, or knowledge or wisdom. And um, well, I get why they might need to do that for certain secrecy reasons. It's also uh, a way to, I think, keep people sort of in a certain position if they want them to. 
so right, compartmentalization exactly yep mm-hmm. yeah. that makes i sense. also uh lux how many degrees does the golden dawn have what like 10 or 11 yeah and then well you have secret degrees after that see like now i i know uh i'm almost positive you probably looked at like the astrum argentums and the golden dawn's degrees Probably be very similar because I, I think uh, even with the OTO in some sense, they actually um, represent spheres in the tree going up as well. Like you're obtaining that sphere. Right. At least I know through the Astro Argentum, that's what it is. Uh, and they, I think, have 11 degrees. Yes. And uh, some of the OTO does as well. So, I mean, some of that, uh, those degrees somehow will be representing maybe that experience at that point. Um, not saying that it's a good or a bad thing, but. Yeah. Yeah. Some of them are based on like, you know, that part of the tree. Yeah. If you look at certain um, uh, like Royal Arc Masonry documents, uh, so that's like one of the highest levels of Freemasonry, you can see how at certain degrees, they're almost, uh, they're almost told to totally consume what that sphere represents, even if that sphere might be um, not necessarily good in nature. So, I mean, uh, you can see a lot of a strange, strange symbolism that sort of has this uh, focus on death and just, you know, not caring about other people, which would correspond to, you know, one side of the tree of life. And so they're made to sort of take over this sphere while they're in that degree to totally understand it. Um, mm, that makes sense. There's I mean, like so many really, there's so many extremes just in one like on one sphere, like on that. Tree. Right. <laughs> like, yeah. like, like even like Gabora, like, you know, that could either be like, a, you know, Archangel Michael or a figure like Sir Lancelot, or it could be a fucking nuclear bomb being dropped. <laughs> right. And, like it, it, there's so many de- <laughs> different degrees in there. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like degrees when we're talking about the information on the tree, what I'm seeing in my head is scale and variance, like a spiral, like different, like levels of the same experience or the same wisdom that it's describing or something like that, then I'm going to have to have you guys back for like a tree of life, like close up or something, man, because like, I I know I, I love it too. And I, I wasn't really prepared for it this time around, but I know that once you guys start talking like tree of life stuff that's where my mind starts pinging in all different directions with no good direction to go in <laughs> so um but we wanted we were talking before about maybe getting into a little bit of uh hellier and uh oh. you know for for people that mm-hmm. are aware of hellier people that may not be people that think it's bs people that think it's real i don't know there's uh there's something about hellier and it's funny because i had a podcast before the deep share and it kind of highlighted the fact that hellier was what kind of re-sparked my my uh my going like my dives back into the rabbit holes um honestly when it first came out years ago and now years later looking back and just being more familiar with some of this territory 
I don't know what to make of Hellier. It's funny that they even <laughs> they even say at one point in the series, like, hey, do you think this is like a like an initiation or something? And it's like, <laughs> like if I watched that now for the first time, I probably would have just like thrown my remote at the TV or something. I came across that shit during the pandemic when it was like really bad. It's where like, you know, basically yeah. nothing was open. And I still had to uh, force myself to get through the first season. You know, and then the second season, I got a little bit more interested because, you know, I had a couple of friends from the well, acquaintances at the time from the OTO tell me about it because it did get into like the Lima. And I was like, all right, I guess I'll check this out. The first season, I was just like, fuck, come on. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, Where are the goblins? Yeah, I'm like, yo, I mean, hey, what the fuck's going on? Where's this magic shit? You know? And then finally the second season, it picked up. But I mean, I'll, I was never really a huge fan of it to begin with. But I definitely think it's an interesting show, though, for sure. Yeah. yeah. For me, at least, um, I remember I just got walked into the living room one day and, and my wife was watching it. She had just kind of more or less found it and was checking it out and you know, she's not really into the occult stuff. She's into, you know, mystery and true crime and stuff like that, but not not so much the occult. And immediately it perked up my my ears because I heard all the stuff that was being explained. And I, I kind of got captivated with it for a little bit because, I mean, it was it was trending. I mean, it that show was doing very well in the public eye. Uh, it was everywhere. People were talking about it, won a ton of awards. And um, yeah, just. Of course, me, I have to like dissect it. You know, piece by piece. <laughs> I, I will say in the second season, when I got when I kind of got my attention, I did go back and kind of pay attention and start all over again. I was like, all right, I might actually have to watch this. So I'm not talking shit about a show I didn't watch. <laughs> i just want to get that straight when we get no, into this more <laughs> season one is definitely like it's slow and you really do have to kind of be willing to be into um that kind of slow build i guess I, what got me was goblins and i think there must be something to that like they the, the show is structured so interestingly when you look back on it and like season one was basically all smoke and mirrors when you think about it because yeah. you really got no goblins but what it kind of did i mean now granted yes it definitely got heavy into the esoteric side for a little bit but when I, I kind of grazed through some of the episodes today, like I was telling you, man. And uh, what I was starting to see at, from this perspective now, looking back, was that they dabbled in a little bit of friggin' everything, everything. that yeah. we make or that, that we make content about in this community, pretty much. Yeah. Uh, for one way or the other, it was kind of like a uh, come here, conspiracy theorist, come here. <laughs> or something like that yeah you know? it's like it starts off with goblins then it transfers into like uh you know government conspiracy of them doing something underground with alien abduction you know, hypnosis alien abduction and then bigfoot i mean it really does run the whole gambit and children I mean, in caves right, uh, yeah right. well, you, you know how many people you can attract to a show like that that happens to just touch on a little bit of that at the beginning <laughs> Just good marketing, which is good yeah. magic. I mean, look, I'll even be honest with you. Most people that I knew in the OTO weren't even into shit like that. It's like they had no idea about conspiracy theories, podcasts, none of that shit. It's the weirdest and if thing. They were, if they were talking about that, obviously it caught their attention somehow. 
I feel the same way about the UFO community, which I've kind of, that's like my OG comfort zone where like I've been obsessed with aliens and UFOs and all that kind of stuff since I was a kid. So like watching the UFO community just become this little government lapdog over here, not the whole thing, of course, because I'm still part of it and there's many good people part of it, but man, UFO Twitter is a trash fire of just like, oh, Lou Elizondo. Oh my gosh. Cool. I'm going to get the <laughs> Lou Elizondo action figure. Like, oh, I'm going to get the Stephen Greer one and they're going to fight and Stephen's going to cry. It comes with like tears and everything. It's great. <laughs> like, that's what I, it's, it's gross. So it's like, it just kind of feels that way where it's like, how are you guys not aware of like how this connects to everything else, man? So yeah. I have that similar experience with that where like people watching Hellier and kind of thinking it's like all spookily dookily and it's like mm. yeah but something's going on here and i don't i don't know if it's any good <laughs> I, I yeah in my opinion i think either the whole show i don't want to say um i hate the word sigh up like because i use it a lot i don't know if i could say that but either i think it was started as that or in my opinion that dude from the oto ended up fucking taking advantage of the show that could have been it I really do think if it wasn't started off some way to get people to look at something that they probably shouldn't, uh, it ended up that way, in my opinion. How Mm -hmm. now? What was his name? Are we talking about Greenfield? Yes. Oh, yeah. So I have his book somewhere on this shelf. um, The (laughs) Secret Cipher of the Ufonauts, the Ufonauts, Psychonauts, something like that. The euphonauts. Oh, the euphonauts, yeah. So interestingly enough, the the two ideas were kind of coalesced already in his perspective, which is kind of my perspective as well. Um, I mean, I know we didn't plan on bringing up aliens specifically, but, you know, I've been doing the roundtable series called The Witness, where I kind of connect consciousness as the root and seeing all these paranormal, uh, near death and outer body, psychedelic phenomenon, just like all these different experiences kind of under one umbrella. And that's just my take personally, but it does kind of feel like um, things like Hellier kind of uh, showing that, showing us that without showing us that telling right. us that without telling us that, you know? Yeah. Books, uh, books I like think that show, if you knew how to look at it the right way, actually tells you a whole lot, believe it or not, just from shit that I was watching today. Right. Yeah. It almost tells you the story without, telling you the whole story but what they tell you is good enough that you know what they're doing if they tell you at least that amount of the story then whatever they do isn't going to be held um, accountable by karmic law you know Mm. so it's sort of like a way of outlining the agenda what's going on what's happening the truth behind all things but if you don't really you know pick up on it then you know you might not know the whole story right Uh, yeah I even think uh, <laughs> the part that caught me today is when they started using that God mask thing or whatever they, the God helmet. What is that what they call that? Oh, shit? the God yeah. helmet. Yeah. Yeah. That really, uh, I was watching really episode uh, four and five today from the first season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, that stuff caught my attention enough to where I really didn't get any farther, but there was some like weird things I did even notice, like with them doing that. I mean, first of all, I mean, it's making you not be able to see, and then you're just getting blasted with white noise. I mean, right there, I mean, people should realize that's going to do something to your fucking mind anyway. 
Yeah, because no I mean, you listen to a steady noise, or you stare at a candle to meditate in some situations. So yeah, that's going to do mm-hmm. something. But yeah. like, I was I'm watching them, and like that first guy, Greg goes, he's got one. He's got the stuff on his face. Okay, he's got the shit on. He's got like a a bulb on top of his head that's like <laughs> red, and then there's like a lamp on the floor that's like red. And then there's green in the middle, like something green or green wood or something or some kind of light reflecting green over there. And then like his friends sitting there with a white lamp talking to him. And to me, just if you were to see those colors and understand what it's even saying on the tree, that whole scene that you're watching makes much more sense now. Ooh. Can can we extrapolate then after that? Because then after that, because then after that, when his buddy went back on, he had blue shit on his fucking face. Oh, this is a whole nother angle that I've never. And then they're asking about. him questions. Hmm. You know, and I was just like, you know, you had one that was the power, and then you have the other one that was the glory or the red and blue spheres on the tree. The green in the middle to me always reflects as like um. The, the abyss, because I, I think that color sphere with Venus kind of represents like the Scarlet Whore in a sense of passing the Scarlet Whore into like the abyss. Hmm. And uh, it just, you know, I think it, Lux can tell you, I think he understands like what I'm coming at with this. Um, it just seemed like with the situ- situation that was going on and the specific colors that they were using and them changing was just really telling me more of, I think, them trying to make contact with something out there like themselves yeah and also i think uh that's why they're like always picking up paranormal activity at that point yeah because i I think really all having occult experiences part of your soul will be leaving right and i think that it's also for the viewer uh i would even venture to say that the viewer is unaware that they are being initiated as well that's kind of what i was hoping to talk about a little bit because that's what like you know in the show i think greg or one of them says like it's like some kind of initiation it's like yeah but for who and it's like and then they just kind of leave it at that and they move on this this show this you know i don't want to come out and like make a crazy accusation but (laughs) to me to me some of this show would make more sense and i will even say i've thought this about other paranormal shows even zach baggins Sometimes I think they know. Let me put it this way. They're using this show. As a way and a means to actually use occult equipment and technology and try to see if what they're doing can get caught on camera. And then maybe if it even does very little snippets of it, you know what I'm saying? But I I think these shows really are probably more. There's a hell of a lot more. I think that isn't getting on camera than you fucking know. Mm -hmm. Mm. I, I would say even parts of Hellier, they knew what that shit was going to do. They knew exactly about probably occult, uh, you know, stuff when it comes to science with like sounds and closing the eyes. They they knew what that shit could possibly do. And the, they're like, well, we could uh, make a show out of it, but really not show exactly what we're doing. Right. Maybe like, that was the actually awkwardness th- of season one and how laggy it was. They were trying to figure out how to... F- build a sh- uh, like a show around what they were really doing or something so, so it's like they actually get to practice and try to accomplish something put it on fucking film 
distributed to the public. They have no idea what they're doing, and they just made money off of it. Mm, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's, it's perfect for them, right? And you look at one of the reoccurring themes in Hellier is hypnosis, mm -hmm. right? So <clears throat> we can get more into that later. But uh, hypnosis, of course, for at least Golden Dawn, uh, we are told never, ever, yep. ever to get yep. any type of, of hypnotism done, right? Yeah, I have to swear to not do that just to even get the first degree. Right. So, Whoa. you know, they are uh, at one point, even Alan Greenspan or uh, Greenfield says that, well, you know, hypnosis is, is something that would be unethical, but then they continue to do it, even to the point where they send this guy who has no idea really what he's doing at the uh, end of season two into this hypnotic state. And then they're asking him to retrieve this information from these entities. Right. And that's oh sounds like God. gateway. Dude, when I watched that, I, I, it's like, it's so dangerous to see what that guy just did. It, it's, it's hard to watch. And but here's the thing is that that's double that's double layered that's double meaning because you are watching someone under hypnosis mm -hmm. but at the same time you as the viewer are under hypnosis <laughs> so you're it. yeah you're participating participating in the initiation as well right. and uh you know it's a, it's a big thing with magic if you can get as many people to believe in your ritual um as possible then that ritual is probably going to be more successful holy shit i just had the creepiest vibe like thinking about the show what do you guys remember when they started to bring up green man just out of nowhere oh yeah, yeah. i wanted to talk about that actually too yeah we'll definitely get into green man just but yeah. i i don't know about you i i've seen it a couple times now and and just the vibe of, it starts the episode i think it starts it could start the season i don't know maybe it starts like the end part of the season anyway where he starts talking about green man and, and it started to feel like because my wife and i have a four-year-old and if we start talking something up in front of him that we know he may pull a fit about he might start going oh really yeah okay no i, I want to do that i want to do that you know so it almost feels like a bunch of people that know exactly what they're talking about and they're just egging on the audience to get involved and become yeah, interested exactly. in these things. It's very, and it did it to me. It literally did it to me because magic was the one side of the alternative world that I had just kind of always pushed away and not looked at, just never made any connections. I came from a very psychedelic background. I dove deep into history and religion and just for some reason had a blind spot with a lot of magic angles to it. Never really looked into any of it. And yeah, it just, it's kind of completed the circle for me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so green man, that's an interesting concept. And it, it, uh, I had never heard of green man before I watched Hellier, but then once I realized later on, like what it was connected to, at least from my perspective, it was like really eye opening because to me, green man the qualities seem to permeate so many other cultural tricksters. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, is, am I right on that? Does it, does it feel that way? Cause to me, I could relate him right to Anki from Sumer if I wanted to, and it seems appropriate. What do you yeah. guys say? Yeah. He's always, you know, at least in pagan uh, folklore, he is portrayed as this trickster, this uh, person who's, you know, 
more or less trying to get over on you just for the joke of it. And we've seen that actually uh, in a lot of the secret societies that we've researched, they call it something else, but it's that same sort of mentality. But yeah, yeah, the, that's, uh, pretty, that's a very good, yeah. Very good and, and he also, in the, at least in Hellier, they, they switch the goalpost because they go from green man into associating that with goblins, right? Into uh, the sort of like underground green, they call them like neon green aliens that are working underground with, <laughs> with like military bases and stuff. So it's like they associate the one entity green man but with all of these other different variations of other occultism or folklore. Oh, just, wow. They pull like a typical shit. They like the public knows about this. We better spin it <laughs> yeah, or something or they like almost get there and then they just veer right. So you don't get the whole story or something. They just, I didn't realize that, that they connected it that way. Like they kind of made it into a boogeyman kind of creature in that, yeah but that but, does add up now yeah and then what they'll do is uh and again i'm not i'm not talking shit about them because i mean i don't i don't know them personally but just from no. an occultist perspective i can see that it's like when you if you say okay green man right and then you were to say well what does green man mean and then you go into some research and you find out the green man is also similar to pan or similar to a goblin doesn't make them uh, the same thing you know, but they sort of equate them all as a, the same thing. Mm. And don't we all do that often? Like I, I just did it, you know, with Anki. Um, do you think that there's um, an appropriate way for us to be able to, to make those connections without uh, uh, maybe lumping too many things together? Mm. <laughs> i can rephrase i can rephrase yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay so it's like we often like i often definitely i'll take anki ia um poseidon prometheus lucifer the snake in the garden it it all seems to represent lower earth energies mm -hmm. and the trickster seems to be interchangeable with that and it's weird that it also seems like the trickster in multiple cultures even in uh, i believe in the muslim tradition it's the karim is like a is uh, like a jinn kind of character yet a lot of times this character is also our creator it's very weird are you guys no. are you guys familiar with this where it's like the the supposed evil one or the lower trickstery kind of one seems to be the creator as well. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, I could see uh I could see I could say that. I mean, it, it could probably get pretty deep, but I mean, uh, I mean, I guess if you believe that you lived in a matrix, I mean, then your creator is tricking the fuck out of you. <laughs> I guess so yeah, I'm saying, say, right? Different levels, different scales. I mean, right? uh, yeah, but not for, yeah. Well, yeah, because we can uh, you know, or the these... illusion of this world. Because yeah. at one Just point the... in, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, at one point in the in the documentary, they say while a guy is under hypnosis, they say, "Well, you know, what is this location? What is this place?" They're talking about geographical location, and while this guy is under hypnosis, he says, "It's a portal," and he says, "Okay, um, well." 
is there anybody guarding the portal? And he says, yes. And it's uh, like a green man. <laughs> and like, so that's, that is one expression of that green man or, or just, just simply because he's green, but it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't mean that it's associated with the, uh, a totally different type of entity such as Pan, which I, I would say shares similarities in their behavior, but is a way different entity. Yeah. So it's it's difficult because I think with a lot of these these things you you ah it's like you really have to do a lot of research to figure out exactly who's who and what's what because um, uh, again it, to me when I watch Hellier it seems as that there are a bunch of people who might not necessarily be experts in the occult um, so when they look for one subject right anything surrounding green <laughs> or goblin sort of gets wrapped into one whole thing. And I can understand how that's easy to do. Uh, but I would say for anyone out there, who's really trying to figure out, you know, the exact uh, difference between all of them is, is, you know, really get in there and uh, dig for yourself because it can take a long, I mean, it's a long process, mm-hmm. but it's, it's well <laughs> worth it, you know? So I think you guys listen to typo negative. Yeah, oh, Peter man. Steele used to say he had that song, "The Green Man." He calls himself the Green Man. That's yeah, funny. all the most of their their album uh, artwork is like a green fog and everything. Always green and black. Yeah, it's always yeah. got some glowing green. Yeah, I'll never forget his rendition of "Summer Breeze." <laughs> oh, that was a great song. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> no, I'd have to say, well, I mean, I, I wasn't a fan of. Uh, I don't want to get off the topic of Hellier, but I, oh, I believe I wasn't actually a fan of uh, Bloody Kisses, but from from um, there was some good stuff on there. But from like October Rust on, I actually will say I think those guys were together. Amazing musicians. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, there was there was they played very band. well together. I think they were a solid band. It's like a lot of metal from that that era that I haven't really like revisited in a long, long time. I should probably go back and check it out. Like I used to listen to Typo Negative and Morbid Angel and stuff like oh, that. God, oh yeah. god, yeah. Like, well, Covenant. <laughs> that was the only album I liked by them. <laughs> Lord knows, like if I looked back at like because you know that topic comes up a lot where like you know, I've grown up listening to death metal and shit like that. And, you know, half the bands that I see getting accused of like Satanism and shit, I'm like, like, yeah, but they were playing garages like a week earlier. Right. Like, like their last album was dog shit. And this one's not even on a major record label. Like, can you be just somebody interested in this shit without being connected to the damn 
cabal or whatever and it's like <laughs> I, I try to you know i relate it to star wars a lot with the force because it always felt to me like there's a good way to use this in a bad way and it's all about who you are it's really not about the medium because it seems right. like there's a billion types of magic that you can do there's chaos magic and and all these other groups and everything so it doesn't seem like there's necessarily a unified front or if there is it's divided or something like that you know what would you say like the core principles behind your practices uh, are if you still do any magical practices at all like i don't know <laughs> what I would do, you say uh, the go ahead meditations and chakra stuff i'll do um i really don't do you know i don't practice i don't do ritual stuff anymore you know um mm -hmm. Basically, I guess the stuff kind of to myself and not really based on somebody else's uh, structure. So that's kind of chaotic, right? In a way. Oh, well, yeah. Uh, chaos magic seems to be branded a little too much to even be called chaos magic. You know, it's like dudes like coming on crackers and shit like that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. They shoot their loads on sigils and then they find yeah, everybody's got props. Cycling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I'm good with like meditations and chakra stuff and just, uh, I guess, like kind of doing a maybe daily inventory and stuff every once in a while. It's funny <laughs> that that yeah. could be uh, like even considered magic isn't it funny where like <laughs> a gradient is <laughs> lux right. how about you well i mean for me I, I first off i would definitely say that uh it, magic is a lot of different things right it's yeah. a, it's a one word a cult or magic it's one word that encompasses a library of information and it's really difficult to sift through all of it but like we always talk about on the podcast that magic is it's like electricity you can use it for you know you can light a light bulb with electricity or you can shot somebody and and they can die because of the electrical shot so you can use it for all of these different reasons and i would say personally for me and like my daily practices now is that i've i've realized that and i'm not going to go and follow the same structure uh as a group like the golden dawn that's taught me these rituals and things like that, that I don't know what the real intent behind them is. It could be anything. I don't know. I mean, they're using language I would never know. And mm -hmm. so for me, I think that it's uh, magic has really transformed into this deep kind of audit of my, myself, my personality, and like a daily practice of figuring out which of my behaviors are good, which of them are bad. How can I stay conscious when a, you know, minute by minute basis, because so much of our life, we live in like this really unconscious way where we just forget entire segments of the day. We don't understand how much that really impacts the world and us. You know, we have all these crazy thoughts that pop into our head and they, they come and go and we don't even pay attention to them or we react off of instinct and mm -hmm. follow whatever that thought is, you know, and I'm real NPC. It's all right <laughs> from time right. to time. So for me, the, uh, at least at this phase, the great work or occultism is mastering that as much as I possibly can, because it certainly helped me a lot. And I would, I would say it's, it's been more important than ritualistic magic. Mm, yeah, that's cool, man. Um, are you guys familiar, either of you, with a man named Neville Goddard? No. Yes, I heard the name, yes. 
So you don't have to be, but his philosophy is really interesting. Uh, this guy was like talking, I would say back in like the fifties and sixties. And he was talking about the imagination is God that, I mean, this, these are just his personalized terms, you know, that he was using, but he would say that the, the imagination is what God actually is. Hmm. And all you have to do is ask. And he would talk about manifestation kind of before it became like, dare I say, mainstream or new age mainstream, if you will. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I wasn't sure if like, because it's like, yeah, th there's so much ritualistic magic out there. And there's so many props, as I said, or you have to do this and you have to do that. And do you think it's just a degree of um, of understanding about yourself and what this stuff really is to get to the point where you it's just a matter of your own mind and maybe the, uh, you know, the rules or the props or the this or the that right. is more um, to to help psych your ego out until it's comfortable enough to do it for real or something. I don't know. I said a lot there. Oh, no. Yeah. But that's, I mean, you said a whole lot that's probably on point. Uh, I think a lot of stuff that is there uh, is to represent certain things that if you start to realize what it means, it can change the whole uh, ritual or initiation. Uh, I, even just certain shapes and colors and stuff. I think really it's just, it's just known ways to, maybe tap into certain areas of your psyche. Now, this is not even to say if it's a bad thing. Let's say it's really is to try to help you have this uh, occult experience in this, in this, you know, idea or whatever. I do believe that there's things in your brain that can kind of trigger past things, you know, that might give you little hints and ideas of stuff like that. Mm. So, I mean, I think there's a lot of reasons for a lot of things and, and shit like that. I, yeah, and to me, I, I grew up in a Christian household, and I remember we would go to church, and uh, it was sort of one of those things where you did whatever you did during the week, but as long as you went to church on Sunday and you asked for forgiveness, then it was forgiven. Mm. I think that, unfortunately, occultists and some secret societies have fallen into that trap. Well, as long as I go to my ritual on Sunday, or I go to my Gnostic Mass on Sunday, or whatever... And then I practice this in this ritualistic way with this cool robe. And then I hang out with all my cool occultist friends that I'm an <laughs> occultist, but, it, but then you leave there and then you just do your whole, you, you know, about your business for the entire rest of the week, missing the whole point of, you know, having a true understanding of the inner self. Yeah. Yeah. So. I would say like, even like secret societies aside, and if you were just studying the Kabbalah, like the hermetic Kabbalah, uh, a lot of that stuff that you'll be reading is really uh, still hidden and much more telling you like deeper thought. It's much more in the mind, really, mm. especially yeah. in the beginning. Not to change gears too much, but let's just, I want to like dive into this a little bit. There's so much stuff about Kabbalah talked about in the truth community that is skewed in my opinion or just half truth or or someone maybe that doesn't really have a good perspective on it what i'm trying to say is they, they're just calling it evil right off the bat and is <laughs> how, what would you how would you say to someone that really 
has been told this or taught this or just is repeating this that you have to stay away from all this stuff if you you know believe in god want to go to heaven have a good life whatever be a good person not be evil not get swept away by satan <laughs> why is this associated like that so deeply and where where is the problem you know that's uh, a great question <laughs> yeah I, mean, I would say probably for multiple different reasons i mean you have some people probably famous stars or people in the media that you know were associated with it and they might be pieces of shit you know it all depends on how you use the kabbalah but i mean uh maybe like the you, know, so you have that effect. i mean well, yeah, or like even, you know, Madonna, I think, has been open about being into the Kabbalah. Like some people could look at it as like, oh, it must be bad if Madonna's into it. You know what I'm saying? Right. Not realizing it's really just the person, you know, that's all that depends on it. Um, some people can, you know, get thrown off a little bit. And uh, well, yeah, even I think sometimes point- I'm going to, you know, I'm not even going to be trying to be a sarcastic prick or anything, but uh, <laughs> I think it also takes a lot to even understand or a lot of time and attention to even try to figure out what it's even telling you. So instead of doing that, just say it's evil and you don't have to look at it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, a lot of times we make those really hard lines where we just sort of say, and, and I think that part of that is on purpose. Part of that is, is definitely pushed into occultism society just in general to make this hard line, good, bad, and that's it. And then you just totally segregate yourself from any of the information. I'm not saying that we need to go and research Luciferianism. I'm just <laughs> saying that, like, you know, when it comes to the Kabbalah, again, it's that same electricity uh, comparison. And I just, I don't know, even as the way that I grew up and stuff like that, learning things about the Kabbalah, you know, information is information. And you have to take it into your mind and into your heart and you have to weigh it and you have to see how does that resonate with what I believe to be true. Now, I'm not saying that we should have moral relativism and well, whatever I believe my truth is, that's (laughs) the truth. That's absolute bullshit. And that's one of the worst things that's being pushed right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Morality is not based on your view of it. Morality is it's based on the laws of nature. It's based on natural law, right? Um, so it's take that information into yourself and, and weigh it and then see what you can take from it. And then what is something you do not need and you can take that information away. It's just, we make a lot of absolutes now where it's, you know, if I'm an atheist, I'll never read the Bible, okay. things like that. But it's like, there's so much information in there that could be helpful to you to be a good person. Mm. So yeah, I, a lot of things like you know, he mentioned before, too, I think a lot of stuff also gets painted horribly just so people won't look at it either, like done on purpose. Uh, like, you know, not to like, I guess, you know, plug our show, but like something me and Lux are going to eventually be doing in a few weeks is going to be like a very, very deeply occulted type of you know topic that. You know, we'll go into the the tree of life, Bina. It will go into Saturn. It will go into uh, Aquarius. You know, a lot of that deep occulted, you know, stuff that people are very misunderstood about because the name that is associated with that whole structure is the Scarlet Whore. 
Right. And you would never have any idea of what that is because right off the bat, you just take it as a sheet of blood, pornographic, right. it's horrible, sex magic, don't need to know about it. And right. if you were to get past that, I think me and Lux will paint a picture that can show actually what magic really is and how it really happens. Yeah, I, I, that show. And it's because that topic is so overlooked and it's yeah. done for a reason. I've heard you. I think I heard you mention that you guys are going to do that. I'm really pumped for that. Uh, if I remember correctly, I was seeing people acting all high and mighty, you know, taking the idea of Nicki Minaj falling from grace in, in the uh, the controller's mm -hmm. eyes or whatever. It looks like theater to me either way, but whatever it, it, you know, she suddenly is speaking out against the vaccine mandate and stuff like that. And people were calling her the Scarlet whore. And I was like, huh, yeah, well, I guess she was at one point, I believe. Hmm. That's really the representation of it. Yes, exactly. Representations of it. When somebody encapsulates a mindset yes. so well, that they can force it onto people or manipulate people or change their way of thinking or somehow affect their life, their thoughts. That's a very small uh, microcosm version of the Scarlet Whore. Oh, okay. Naj was one of them. Yeah. You know, and I can't wait to hear what you guys do. <laughs> <laughs> oh. So, just, yeah, go ahead, Lux. Well, just one thing that I was going to touch on. Um, real quick that you had said before about mm. the uh you said um your last question was about uh yeah i'm trying to remember too <laughs> oh, never mind i forgot <laughs> um, I, the last i asked was kind of like you know how do we discern you know the the you know why oh. why is the kabbalah so right. demonized in the truth community when we're supposed to be all about right, research right. so uh one thing's one thing that actually did um kind of motivate me to leave the golden dawn was that i had been researching the connection between the tree of life the kabbalah and the modern day understanding of the way that uh, like dimensions interact with within each other so Ooh. if you look at like m theory which is one of the most modern understandings that we have on quantum physics and how dimensions interact with each other if you take that model right it's developed in 94, I think. If you take that model and you overlay it over top of the Kabbalah, it's the, it's the same thing, literally the same thing. And so, you know, one, that was something that I was told not to look into, especially at my degree. But two, wow. but two that you can see how interwoven the, these truths are into occultism. And if you were to just totally get rid of uh, the Kabbalah altogether, you would never realize that it, in some way, there's truth there. There's a lot of truth that's telling you about the way that dimensions and things like that interact. So, yeah, it's, uh, wow, it's that's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'll even put it this way. And, you know, and this is for people who don't like the Kabbalah. Uh, if you believe in Zodiac stories, if you believe in tarot cards, if you believe in any, uh, you know, the stories of any pantheons or some type of gods, uh, you are actually uh, pretty much believing in Kabbalah because those stories match experiences and spheres and paths on that tree that will actually paint you a picture of ascendance. 
You just don't realize it, but it all matches and can be perfectly laid on that tree. Sometimes those stories, in my opinion, are just poetic ways to show somebody's transformation up that tree. And people don't even realize it as they're talking about the Kabbalah. You are actually believing it in other ways. Oh, dude, that was a perfect segue because I wanted to ask if you if it could be that way with the Bible stories. I think oh, so. Yeah. Because I mean, shit, sure. you already have like the the weird idea about Jesus being thirty three and the thirty three vertebrae and the Kundalini energy and the you know which is representative of a serpent. And there we go again with the lower energies rising to the top, right? And gaining mm-hmm. their wings. I'm, I'm actually going to point at the Jesus figure in the Scarlet Horse series too. Oh, on the tree of life. Yes. Because mm-hmm. of the symbols. I do believe I have a pretty good case to show something. About, so cool. Something about what the cross might also represent. Mm-hmm. Oh, I've heard so many different theories. I've even heard, I've even seen things with like the cross connected to the swastika in the sense that at some point they both basically represented a rudimentary spiral which nope not pedophiles um <laughs> like the universe or the, the 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 movement of not only the way the galaxies worked and the planets worked but also the way consciousness works or something <sighs> something yeah. to that effect Really oh, like, you know, I got to send you this picture with the, the swirl in it. And I think, uh, yeah, it's some pretty interesting shit. I, I showed it to Lux recently because uh, I, I believe in like that whole downward spiral type idea, you know, and I, and I think sometimes that, that that swirl can represent that. And I also think it represents something actually literally inside of our heads. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember having a psychedelic experience where it felt as though god or the universe or whatever had taken my my consciousness my life and wound it back up like a like an rc wound it back like an rc car or something right to the beginning of when i started and let it rip yeah like you know i was here in my body i was where i was in the college dorm or whatever but my brain was like re-experiencing reality yeah. all over again like and it, it ever since then i've been kind of fascinated with that spiral idea and then you see it everywhere in sacred geometry uh, which was my kind that sacred geometry was my connection into magic and that kind of stuff that i had never realized was connected and it's like okay so there's mathematics involved as well like this yeah. is not harry potter by any means <laughs> yeah you can it's see a- uh I've noticed in, in some stuff, um, if you see a lot of Saturn um, objects on the screen in like certain movies and stuff. Mm. Also, I have also noticed a lot of neither uh, instruments that might happen to have like a horn at the end or uh, lamps that look like they have that kind of like that V shape as uh, the, the light bulb comes, shoots out and it's kind of like a cone or like a cone. Yes. Yeah. You'll see a lot of that. Like I've seen that, like, you know, I don't always bring up Twin Peaks, but it's just such an easy fucking thing to reference back to uh, when you're when he's in like the red room, you have a, a, a thing of Saturn, a statue of Saturn. you got all these other things and then you have those types of lamps. And then like in the third season, it shows like the golden sphere, the balanced sphere going down to Earth and it's going through like 
a fucking little spiral thing going into a black and white white screen like that's downward spiral really mm-hmm. does say a lot in occultism yeah. i mean i even think that's what nine inch nails downward spiral meant they do say a lot of successful musicians are highly practiced occultists oh yeah <laughs> i thought it was the beach boys or something like that had said that the the whole inspiration for animal sounds was because that they had got they had gotten information from a like a music occultist insider who said, well, use these certain tones because these tones specifically will make people feel good. They're going to want to listen to you more. So there's a whole, yeah, occulted science, you know, in music, just insane. But vibration is such an important part of occultism. Which brings us right back, which brings us right back to Hellier with the most (laughs) mysterious part of the series, in my opinion, that was just left like a big, you know, nothing came of it. And no one knows if they're going to do another season or whatever, but the tones that they end up figuring out right? where it's like, bum, bum, bum. And then like, I think near the end, they figured out, Oh, I think we're supposed to play them at the same time or something, but I don't think they ever do that. I think they just talk about that afterwards. I wonder if anyone else there has done that and like opened up a portal or something. Well, the CIA has. (laughs) (laughs) Dude, have you guys read Gateway? you did okay all right cool i was actually thinking about covering it too but i i shit i'd have you guys on for if you wanted but like that shit i have any any of the stuff that we used for the show i could send it over to you too cool man i mean i've read through it twice i've highlighted it and it's just a lot to take in from a lot of different angles because you know you wonder how much of those kinds of documents are doctored for our viewing pleasure too. I mean, everybody else for you, like it's some holy thing, but I have a long history of not trusting when people are yelling for you, you know what I mean? And I wonder like, what's your take on that angle? Like, cause you guys have clearly looked way into it. And I know some of it's accurate cause shit, I've been there on psychedelics and I know what the capabilities are, but I wonder, do you see anything in those documents that is particularly like doesn't really jive and almost seems like psyopy or something like they're giving something to us or baiting us because guy is owned by BlackRock and I can't (laughs) stress that enough. (laughs) I mean, at least for me, when I look at the the gateway documents, the great gateway project and everything that the CIA did to investigate, this was, you know, the CIA was investigating a a new type of, of like a therapy from this doctor. And uh, they wanted to see if there was any type of, you know, credence in it. And so they spent, I think it was around 10 years researching the gateway experience, um, which is that type of therapy. And I see ugh, it's when I look at the gateway experience gateway project, I see so many laws of occultism, so many principles of occultism that are just constantly uh, confirmed and repeated Uh, this way. If, if me and Lux would have read this 15 years ago, we wouldn't have seen any of that shit. Yeah. So now like there's certain things in there that I will take uh, I take credence to because I see what it's really saying. I understand mm. because of what it's trying to do. I've done the same shit, my own practices. Right. 
<laughs> and, and two things can exist at the same time too, because like you said, there can be some misinformation, but the misinformation doesn't have to be a direct piece of misinformation. Right. It can just be them changing. They can just make it very rudimentary, right? Like very simple. And they won't go and, uh, and get into the heart of what vibration really is and how it works and what it means and how it affects you, but they can just use the simple term so it seems like it could be misinformation, but in reality, it's just them giving you a very basic piece of, of information, you know? I believe it or not, that's actually a subject that we probably will have to go back to when we cool. go to the Scarlet Whore. Oh, that's sick. Yeah, yeah there's I mean, it makes parts sense. of that that I think would help uh, show the audience the science behind it a little bit more. Well, it's curious, too, that, like, you have something like the gateway process where in a sense if you're learned enough or you're practiced enough you know you you're off in the himalayan mountains with the, the llamas and everything you <laughs> can do this sans you don't have to do this with friggin you know binaural beats in your ears you don't have to listen to robert monroe speak his ideas or anything oh no no but that stuff this will... is the same concept right I, yes I, i've tried it and it's intense i have not gotten past i think it was the second tape so i know the six i only did two i got up to the third and and i, I realized exactly what it was trying to accomplish and so was i, it, I was it stealing there. your was it stealing your data like, is that what this is no, about? Well, <laughs> spiritual data me, instead of meta You know, it's well, just like social engineering. When I've had some like, we, you know, uh, I guess more intense magical experiences, uh, I could say like when it happened, I would normally be sitting when I used the gateway tapes, I lay it down. But when I had the, these weird experiences, I'd be sitting in a chair pretty much with my back straight against the back of the chair, my hand on my hips, on my legs. It's called the God pose. You just basically, it's the easiest fucking thing to sit in if you're trying to meditate. And uh, as I'm like, would sometimes be like picturing, you know, light going through me or maybe light coming out of me. At some point when I would start bringing the energy up, Right before I started having some crazy effects, like I could see the light, like, let's say going from like my toes all the way up to my knees and like kind of going black. I tech really no lie. It was as if that disappeared too in real life. It was as if I could feel the energy going through my body as if like a wave of water, like through the ocean, but the ocean was actually going through your skin. You would actually almost feel like the draining of the ocean being pulled back out, going through your body and like out to your head. And uh, that I started to notice happening by the third one, because I was able to realize what my body was going to feel. You know, it's you have to also learn to really pay attention to your body more than we've been told to. Yeah. You know thing. And you can start to notice certain things and certain feelings that you might be like, well, it seems a little fucking weird, but no, it's actually probably real, you know, but uh, when you learn to, I think, listen to your body a little bit more, you're able to start noticing, you know, I noticed that that was definitely a way for you to at least astral travel. Wow. That now, thing definitely will pull you out. I just don't know where it's going to take. Right. So you, yeah, I've heard you talk about like what if certain tones or sounds are already programming you to go to a certain place. So, 
and don't take offense to this it sounds so scary that way that like <laughs> we we have these natural abilities that are it sounds like you kind of feel like they're inherently negative abilities well i mean just put it i mean you have if everything goes back to vibrations and sounds mm-hmm. it at that point it just is a specific type of energy it doesn't have a face to it it doesn't have a, you know, it just is. And, you know, I hate how some people might think that's so fucking silly to think. But I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, you. at some point things just that's it, that's all it is, is just that. And that can maybe get stuck to you and, you know, not have the greatest of effects. So you're just you're but saying I mean, that this stuff you, you got to use caution with this stuff. Yeah, it's not necessarily it, evil. Don't do it. Yeah. But well, Lux can tell you too. It does tell you to uh, kind of do a force field around yourself. And me and yeah. him had noticed that that was kind of like a, a protection of sorts. So I, I don't think it's like looking to solely like fuck you, but it may may down in the long run. I don't know. Yeah, I don't, but it's just like I'm just I don't I can't promote something like that. You know what I'm saying? That's all. Well, yeah, all I'll say is that it's like so, and I don't ever mean for occultism to seem like this mysterious thing that you have to study for 10 years before you can you know delve into it but certainly you know in my opinion the gateway experience gateway project is a form of hypnotism right and if you don't have total control over your if you don't have total control over what your mind is doing through the day then how can you trust it when you're under (laughs) hypnotism (laughs) and like who knows what types of things could uh you know interact or become attached to you because you're on you're not under the subject of your own will you you're uh, uh, allowing that to become totally open and i just think without serious uh training like meditation and stuff before doing gateway it could potentially uh be dangerous you know Mm, yeah and i would say it's kind of messed up that they actually promote it not only Robert Monroe, but like, it's just the buzz everywhere. It's like, no, this could be for beginners. Totally. Like you don't have, you don't need any practice to do this, man. Just go for it. And that's what I was told too. And no, believe I, it or not, I think I've actually seen stuff reference to that in multiple like music and shows and movies. Oh, probably. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I think it, I think, believe it or not, something to that effect of playing shit in your ears and, closing your eyes out is a known technique in the occult community to get occult effects. Mm. You know? and so I've seen that represented in many things. Doesn't Monroe claim that it's just a way to synchronize both hemispheres together, like to get that's them how the magic it. happens. Yes. Mm. Okay. Okay. So that's not like a point of contention. That's like, yeah, exactly. Don't get yeah, it. Well, yeah, that was to tell you the truth. That was a, probably the first sign to me and Lux, like, oh, okay, I, I see what's going on here now. <laughs> so now <laughs> they say that psychedelics do something very similar too. It shuts down certain parts of the brain or or lights up parts of the brain that don't aren't normally active together at the same time. And and shit. I mean, I can speak for uh bad trips and good trips, but the good trips I don't remember and the bad trips. Right. probably turned into some of the most transformative experiences of my life. And so I don't mean to come off like as I'm one sided or, or the other, just from my experiences with what I would call 
the occult because I've also compared it to near-death experience because I've definitely have some of my psychedelic experiences line up with a lot of that too. It, it, so I've seen these realms and all I found was myself. And I found, and not to, not in an arrogant way, not in a solipsis kind of way that, that every one of us can get to that level and you don't even need psychedelics. You don't need the, whatever they help for those that don't know you can do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's very hard for me to, to get into like uh, the idea that, that, that we become so vulnerable under these states. And I hear it. I've heard it from you guys. I hear it from the, the gateway, uh, paperwork itself because they talk about like once you get over there like they were like building geometric mental structures to like keep entities out or something like that i can't remember all the details of it but it was like some pretty serious shit and it's like do we interpret that as like demons or do we interpret that more as like i don't know it's just like consciousness much more vast than we ever could imagine or yeah what should what do you guys think about like the fact that like i yeah i don't <laughs> i don't know how to wrap it into a real question it's just like this chaos in my head about like how do i see this as more than just ourselves playing tricks on ourselves and mm -hmm. i have a hard time doing that it almost feels like this trickster character is like part of consciousness in a way mm -hmm. but maybe that's way out there <laughs> i don't know well, I think that's part, you know, again, I, you know, kind of like going back to an archetype of the Scarlet Whore, it's kind of believing the lie. You oh. know, and that's the whole trick, I think, is we've been tricked into believing a lie. What is that lie? That this world is actually real. Okay. Or that, or that it's worth living for so much we can't leave. And it's such an interesting dichotomy too, because it's an easy battle to fight against like the religious cell. It's like, God, they just keep wanting, they, they're pushing you to keep striving for a life that's after this one, instead of focusing on this one, man. So it's like both sides kind of pulling at the same weird philosophy. Sometimes it's so mm -hmm. bizarre. Yeah. So interesting, man. We, we went into a lot of different places, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I would just I would yeah, just say ahead. that with with any of this type of stuff, you know, I mean, I've had good experiences uh, mm -hmm. doing meditation and, and yes. gateway, things like that. And I've also had some some bad ones because, you know, uh, like you said, we are kind of subject to the own demons in our mind. And the more that we think that way, the more that we will attract that energy, that vibration towards us. And so just, you know you got to be cautious when you do this stuff because uh i mean i especially early in my occult experience i found myself sort of going balls deep into stuff before i was ready and, <laughs> and it definitely it messed with me a lot so you know, we don't ever mean to like talk badly about her negatively or say don't do it or make this giant line where it's good or evil it's just like dude if you're playing middle school football you don't want to get onto an NFL field and like get tackled by an NFL player, dude, <laughs> because you might think you're ready for it, but like, and sure you'll survive it, but that shit's going to hurt. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I like that. <laughs> well, you guys, know, that's probably one of the reasons why I think we can both say we even left to the orders. 
It's because I they're not transparent about what this stuff's really about. Yeah. And I Who think knows? to be thrown into this stuff blindly isn't a good idea. Yeah, who knows how many times organizations like these, you know, could have been like infiltrated, you know, starting off meaning really well or something and, you know, infiltrated to persuade us into, you know, bad behavior or something like that. Yeah, mm-hmm. but, I will, but I will say, though, my own personal experiences when I was trying to, I guess you'd say, do the work, you know, the great work, as they would call it. Uh mm-hmm trying to better myself i have had experiences that were probably the most blissful and the most beautiful experience i've ever had in my life that uh probably won't experience again unless i fuck with that shit again but uh (laughs) it's definitely something that changed me for much positive yeah so definitely for the positive all right well, guys, is anything else you guys would like to cover before we wrap up? Oh, I think uh, that was this pretty was, cool. Yeah, this was, was fun. fun. This was fun. Yeah. And well, we can you know, your show. You, you can talk about so many different things. And it's a blessing and a curse, mind. man. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but you're very open-minded. I love it. Thanks, you know, sometimes thanks, when man. I come across weird shit, I always think like, oh, Andy would probably be into this. Like, I wouldn't be the only <laughs> nut job thinking like, oh, man, might be something to do this. <laughs> you know, it's like there's uh, I feel like there's some sort of like center point that we're all reaching for. You know, we're kind of all trying to build that tower together in some yeah. way, you know, and hopefully uh, God doesn't, you know, knock us out of the sky again this time. <laughs> oh. so send a flood. Yeah, 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 or a rock, or a, a virus, or yeah, all of the I, above. But I, honestly, for me, I, the only thing that I will say is that you know I grew up in a really constrictive kind of mindset that really made me try to look through things in in a very specific lens, and that anything outside of that was wrong. And you know, everyone has a different journey. Everyone has a different experience, but you know, figuring out what's right and wrong for you is the self-examination of how your actions impact other people, right? That's a good measurement. If you're a, you can study this stuff all day and you can be a shit person to everyone around you Uh, and you can, you can be arrogant about it, or you can think that you're so much smarter than other people. And that, that tells you, you need to start over. And then there's the other aspect where you realize that, you know, if you can make changes to yourself that they will impact the environment around you. And that's the only way that we get out of this because everything right now is fear. It's fear, 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 turn on the news. It's fear, fear, fear. Everyone's divided. Everyone's afraid. Everyone's scared. And, you know, we have to get out of that mindset. Honestly, if, if we want to make real changes in the world, that's all you need to know is to get out of that fear mindset and to realize why you are fearful, why you make other people fearful, why you do bad things and, you know, that negatively impact people around you and to, to work on the inner part of yourself that recognizes how you're making those impacts and, and change them. Um, so that's, that's the, really the only thing I would say. 
No, it's beautifully said. Okay. Yeah, I've yeah. I've recently been talking to a few others about how like, man, where does this journey end for for all of us in this community? Do we end up turning the podcasts off and just being, you know, more within ourselves and more within our daily interactions and maybe all of us end up turning the screens off and doing this in person someday. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right guys well tell my audience where they can find your wonderful work Lux, you could plug our show i'll plug mine uh well you can find us uh via cult rejects you can find us on anywhere that podcasts are streamed including apple spotify etc uh you can find us on discord at the occult rejects we have a great community over there people just smashing ideas together helping us all figure all this thing out we're not perfect and you know we we look for the input from all of our listeners just as much as uh we even have a couple of podcasts other shows in there too as well Mm -hmm. and uh it's nice yeah you can find us on bitshoot you can find us on uh well maybe not clout hub for long but (laughs) 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 and you cannot find us on youtube i'm sorry we got we got in trouble on YouTube, so we're banned from there. But <laughs> oh, was it was it Franklin or was it before Franklin? Oh no! Well, you know, we <laughs> got a strike and banned for uh, Elephantis, but it was at the time we put out the Shriners and Jesters series. So, you know, it was like months down the road. They said that they were banning us for harassing, you know, or some kind of like bullying Elephantis. They banned us. But it was when we dropped the Justice series, so I don't know. I don't know. By yeah. his artwork, I think he's into bullying and, and stuff like that. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we're also on Alt Media United. Are you oh, yeah. Right? oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yes, thank yeah, you. To at least Mark Steves. Yes, yeah, it's very nice. He does a great job. I think he's putting me on there too. Dude, Mark's a Mark's an organizer. He's a good guy. He's been helping a lot of us get together. And I think that's the whole point of this Alt Media United thing, you know. And I think he's trying to build it, make it, you know, even more impactful. So I'm glad to be a part of it with you guys. Yeah. Um, And then you have your show. Yes. My show. uh, I just have guests on for the most part. So that is uh, deep as you call the rejects, but I do have some great guests on. So I definitely suggest to check it out. Uh, That's on uh, BitChute, Rumble, YouTube, uh, most major podcasts. And I am on uh, Odyssey, actually. Might be a few shows behind because I forget about it. You know, I'll remember a month later. I'm like, fuck, I gotta upload like four videos at once now. I've done that to my website. I'm just like, ah well. <laughs> for some Who reason I always website? forget about Odyssey. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, thanks a lot for coming on. Oh, thank Very you. Much. Everybody, have a great night. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Deep Share Podcast. If you want to hear more, then hit that subscribe button. Follow me on all the social places. And remember, think for yourself, but don't always believe what you think. Till next time. Human sacrifice, dogs and cats living together. That's Enough, I get the point. <laughs> you have meddled with the primal forces of nature. <laughs> and you we are a tone. What do we know? What do we know? If I know what we know, then I can tell you what we know, and if someone else knows, okay? I mean... <laughs> <laughs>
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get three-pound rolls of juicy 80% lean ground beef for $3.49 a pound with a digital coupon. Then get select varieties of flavorful Powerade, Body Armor Super Drink, or Arizona Tea for 77 cents each, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.